This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. in the same leagues. As a matter of fact, when you look at the book of Revelation, you find that when Satan's going to be caught and bound into the abuso, the abyss, he's going to be bound for a thousand years. The Bible says, and the angel came and held him in one hand and had chains in the other. Now the angel is just a simple angel. He doesn't even have a name. I call him Bob the angel because any angel can handle Satan and bind him up and put him in the abuso, the bottomless pit. Do you ever get everything mixed up in your head and forget who is stronger and who is weaker? For hundreds of years, the world has gotten it mixed up and been worshiping created things instead of the Creator. In today's message, Pastor Eddie is going to dig through the book of Hebrews and we'll remember together that Jesus is above the angels and that Satan is so much weaker that one nameless angel is able to bind him alone. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. As he begins his message, the sun is better than the angel. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 4 through 14. The writer writes, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirit and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. And you loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits set forth? To minister for those who inherit salvation. Amen. Now we continue our study of the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at verses 4 to 14 in chapter 1. After opening up with the supremacy of Christ, the writer now uh, makes it clear that Jesus Christ is better than angels. Better than angels. He begins with angels. Later on, you can say he's better. He's the great high priest. Everything about Jesus is better. 
And so he's going to just prove the point that Jesus is better than angels. And before we begin, it's good to have a little introduction about angels because some people have this fascination about angels and they put a lot of emphasis of angel. What does the Bible have to say about angels? Well, the first thing, let's look at the word angel. The word angel is mentioned 294 times in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In the Old Testament, it's mentioned 114 times. It is the Hebrew word malach. You got to give that. Is it there? I know I think I did it this time. Is it there? No, it's not there. All right. Malach. Can you say it? No, don't, don't say it. <laughs> don't eat crackers and say it. Just make sure. Anyway. Is the Hebrew word in, in, in the Old Testament is mentioned 114 times, and it means a messenger, a representative, and an angel. In the New Testament, it's been mentioned 180 times, and it is the word angelos, and it is also similar to the same meaning of the Hebrew. It's a messenger, one who was sent, uh, an angel, a messenger from God. So an angel is a messenger from God. When you read the word angel seven times in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, it is an angel, but is referring to the pastor or leader of the church, to the angel of the church of Sardis, or the angel of the church of Ephesus. It is speaking, referring to the messenger, which is a person. However, when we look at angels in the Bible, and, and this is what the writer of Hebrews is going to try to, he's going to prove the point that Jesus is greater than angels. Now, angels in the Bible are created beings. They're spirit beings. They have personalities. They have intelligence, emotions, will. We see that with Lucifer who had his own will, right? And he took a third of the angels with him. That's mentioned in Revelation. He says the dragon, with the tail of the dragon, he took a third of the stars from heaven. And so they have intelligence, they have emotion, they have will. They're good angels and then they're bad angels. We call them, the bad angels, demons, evil spirits, fallen angels. And so they're spirit beings without a true physical body. They do not have flesh, they do not have bones. They can have a form of a physical body and may appear in human form, but they're still created beings, they're spirit beings. They do not have a soul. God did not die for angels. He died for man. Man, we all have a soul. Angels do not become human, nor do humans become angels. And I know sometimes in the world, some people will say, well, my great aunt Susie or Uncle Bob, you know, he's an angel now. No, we're not angels. Absent the body to be the presence of the Lord. You, your soul will be in the presence of God if you believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. If you do not, then you're waiting for the white throne judgment. There is no, no one's turning into an angel, so you don't have wings. So they do not become angels. Now, when they were created, we do not know. The Bible does not say, but it's safe to say that they were created sometime before Genesis 1.1. They're messengers, and they're ministering spirits. Look down, drop down to verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Speaking of you and I. Not only they, we're going to see that they minister to God. But they also minister to us. That is their job. They're not gods. They're not to be worshipped. They're not one of us. Christ did not die on the cross for, for angels. As a matter of fact when you read the songs. Not the, the proclamation that they make when they shout out. But we're talking about the songs in the book of Revelation. The songs about redemption you find that the angels are not a part of those songs. Only those that Christ had died for. 
and because Christ died for man. Angels will find throughout the scriptures, they minister and serve God and to each and, one, each and every one of us. Um, this, this is just scratching the surface, but the point is they're not to be worshipped. They serve God and they serve those who are of God. We see that they praise God, they worship God, they rejoice in what God does. They serve God, they appear before God. They are instruments of God's judgment. They observe Christian order work and suffering, they care for the righteous at the time of death. And that is pretty much, in a nutshell, what are angels according to scripture. We have a lot of people, a lot of teaching, false doctrines, cults that have put many emphasis on on angels, but not for the believer in Christ according to scripture. Now, now that we have an idea what angels are according to the Bible, let us look at what is the ancient Jewish view of angels, because that's important. Paul is writing to Hebrew Christians, and there's a history with angels. And in those days, Judaism had a fascination with angels because angels were used by God throughout the history of Israel. For example, there was an angel who helped Lot before the Lord brought judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Actually, the angels took them by the hands. And say, we can't do nothing until you're out of here. Which points clearly that Jesus would not judge the righteous with the wicked. He would not judge this world, bring the great tribulation until his bride, his woman, (laughs) his church is out of harm's way. Judgment is not for the saints of God. Judgment is not for the believer. We will be raptured before the great tribulation. And then we see in the images that of cherubims woven into the veil of the tabernacle. When the Lord gave Moses instruction in building the tabernacle, they were supposed to have, uh, the Lord gave an, pretty much an image what it would be like in heaven. And the instruction in building the tabernacle was to have these cherubims woven into the veil of the temple. Because that's what's on the earth. When we get to heaven, there's going to be angels and cherubims. The cherubims were fashioned of gold for the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Isaiah had a vision of angels in Isaiah chapter 6. There were angels with Daniel in the lion's den to hold the mouths of the lion. And it goes on and on. So we see how the angels were used and why Jews had put so much importance and respect for angels. And, and so the Old Testament, the Lord used angels. He still used angels today. He's still going to use angels in the end. As a matter of fact, at the very end, at the end of the great tribulation, there's going to be an angel that's going to proclaim the gospel because the church is no longer there. (laughs) And the, the last hope that they have for this world is an angel proclaiming the gospel. But you see the angels that are blowing the seven trumpets, uh, pouring out the bowls of wrath. God used angels from the very before the creation, Genesis 1-1. We see angels in Revelation. However, 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 our communication and our relation with God, we speak to Christ directly. We do not need an angel. We don't need any dead saints. We don't need Mary. We just need Jesus Christ. And that's why we see in verse 2 again, it says in verse 2, is that he has in these last days spoken to us by, not angels, his son. So we do not go to God through angels or through anyone. We go directly to the Father, Jesus Christ, because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes this, But there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. The man, 
Christ Jesus, not the priest, not the pope, not any evangelist, not Pastor Eddie, not Pastor John. You have unlimited access to the throne of God because you are a child of God if you have repented and accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior. So there are cults out there, as you know, they believe and they have this worship of angels as well. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ is Michael the archangel. That is their belief. That is not biblical. That's another Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Latter-day Saints, Mormons, they believe Jesus the spirit brother of Lucifer. As to put Jesus in the same league as Lucifer. (laughs) Jesus created Lucifer. It is not the Jesus of the Bible that we believe. It is another Jesus. There are some that believe that, um, again, that when they die, if somebody would die, it will be angels. No. There's angels that God uses, but there are other cults and religion that would use angel in place of Christ or to degrade Christ, actually. What they're doing is they're messing with the deity of Christ. And I've seen a sticker on a toolbox of a believer, and the sticker had this artwork of Jesus hand-wrestling Satan. They're not in the same league. They're not in the same league. As a matter of fact, when you look at the book of Revelation, you'll find that when Satan's going to be caught and bound into the abuso, the abyss, he's going to be bound for a thousand years. The Bible says, and the angel came and held him in one hand and had chains in the other. Now, the angel is just a simple angel. He doesn't even have a name. I call him Bob the angel. Because any angel can handle Satan and bind him up and put him in the abuso. The bottomless pit. And so that is not the Jesus that we worship. That is not the Jesus in the Bible. It is another Jesus. So in this worship and fascination of angels as believers in Christ, we must be careful. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. He says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. It's already there. Don't worship angels. Intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, that is speaking of Christ, from whom all the body nourished and knitted together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. There is worship of angels. And that's one of the things that you find, one of the common denominators you find in many of the cults is that they will tamper and mess with the deity of Christ. They make him less of what he is. He is the creator of the world. He is the son of God. He is God. And that's what the writer of Hebrew is going to give us in this passage. And so as Christians, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is better than angels. Now, we read the text, we looked at what angels are in the Bible, we looked at the ancient Jewish view of angels, let us now study it verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4, let's look at verse 4, he writes, having becoming so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. There isn't an angel in heaven. There isn't an angel in the spiritual realm or whatever dimensions they are. Some scientists believe there's 10 dimensions. But anyhow, any angel or made-up angel of any religion, Jesus is better. Jesus created the angels are in heaven. 
Jesus is better. And his name is Jesus Christ, Yeshua. There is no name greater than the name of Jesus Christ. So there isn't an angel that has a greater name. Not Michael, not Gabriel, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. Paul writes this, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. Verse 11, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is Jesus Christ. It is the name that's above every name. It is the name that saves man. Save men from what? From eternal damnation. From eternal damnation. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is not Reverend Sung Young Moon. It is not the Pope. It is not Hare Krishna. It is not Muhammad. It is not Buddha. It is Jesus Christ. There is no other name. He is the creator of all things. And it is through his name in which man can be saved. There's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. The reality is this. One day every knee will bow before Christ. Every knee. Your knee. My knee. Will bow before God. You could, either, you could either bow before Christ as Savior or you would bow before him as judge. He would judge you. You bow before him as your Savior or you're going to bow before him. He's going to be your judge. Either or. We all have a choice. There's no between ground. There's no between ground. You either believe in Christ or you don't. You either repent of your sins or you stay in your sins. You're either saved from eternal damnation or you're not saved. Every knee will bow before God. Call upon the name of the Lord because the name that, which we are saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 is that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved. And if he's your savior, you call on the name of the Lord, you would bow before him. Call him Lord. Savior. My Lord. My master. Or you will be judged. Romans chapter 14 verse 11. It says, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. That's everyone. That includes you, me, those before you, those after you. Everyone will confess. And so there isn't an angel in heaven that has a name, and even close to the name. The name of Jesus Christ is a name that's above every name. His name is a more excellent name. Next, the, the writer of Hebrews is going to ask a couple of rhetorical questions in verse 5. A couple of rhetorical questions in verse 5. In verse 5, he says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. He is quoting from Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. And so it's a rhetorical question, and he throws in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. So what is the answer? It's a simple, short answer. It's none. There's not an angel in heaven that God has called his son and he's begotten. Not one. The second rhetorical question, he says, again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And he's quoting from another passage, not in the Psalms. It could be either 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 14 or 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 13. 
But we can see the consistency of scripture when it comes to God, father and son relationship. Is in Chronicles, is in 2 Samuel, is in the Psalms. So this image and this picture of the father and son has been in the scripture since the beginning. But when we look at this father and son relationship, there isn't a father and son relationship that God has with an angel. And that's the point he's trying to prove. He's asking these questions. Because obviously there is a father-son relationship in the Godhead. And the angels are not a part of it. What's amazing is that you and I are a part of it. You know, we've been, we've been not only grafted in, but we've become sons and daughters of God. We're added to the family. And that's amazing. Something the angels are wondering. You know, they, they can't put their heads to it. They're intelligent. But they can't understand why Christ or God would create man, woman, boy, girl. So that he could be one with them. So those are the two questions to show that the father-son relationship belongs to that of God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, not to angel. Now in verse 6, it says, But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. Let all the angels of God worship him. Now, before we get to how the angels worship Christ, there is a word here, and it's the, the word firstborn. Firstborn. Now, it's important for us to know about this, and I would underline it in my, in, in my Bible, uh, because it's very important for us to understand. We must know and understand this term of firstborn, because we will be challenged we will be challenged by many cults. We will be challenged by those who will actually use this verse and other verses like it in the Bible that uses the, the, the term firstborn when it comes to Christ. Because they will say to you, Jehovah Witnesses or even Mormons, they will say to you, well, since Jesus was the firstborn, the firstborn, that means he was born. He was begotten. And if Jesus was born begotten, then that means he's not eternal. And that means he is not God. Is Jesus born? Such a teaching conflicts with the rest of the scriptures. So we must understand, we must give a defense, give an apologia to those who, who ask or ask questions about who Jesus is and whether Jesus was created or was he born physically only? Who is he? They're going to attack this Jesus that we believe in, according to the scriptures. Now, just so you can understand with this term firstborn, in both the Greek and the Jewish culture, the term firstborn doesn't always mean born first. It doesn't always mean born first. Okay? It is a word that's used in the Greek. In the Greek, is the Greek word prototakos, and it means first child or first in rank. That's what the Greek word means. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? Pastor Eddie has been making his way through the book of Hebrews in a series, Jesus is Better. We're learning some great truths about Jesus coming to be all that the Old Testament had talked about. The strength of God's Word and how it's fulfilled is something mighty to ponder. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
We pray that God's Word has been a discerner of your heart today. We're so glad you joined us for Running the Race. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you in the book of Hebrews, so make sure you come back to hear more next time, here on Running the Race.